How many of you, we've got a group of folks here and a group of folks online, you all can answer too in whatever way you can, but how many of you, your favorite season is after a long winter, the hope and the joy, the weather, the life, the colors of spring Make spring your favorite season. And I hope to have said it in such a way that I can get a few hands up. A couple up here. Spring. We love summer, right? We love activity and heat. Oh, no. No, we don't love summer. I got a couple looks there. You guys are the ones who love winter. You like snow, right? No, we love, we, I think everybody, whether spring is your favorite season or not, it's always going to be one of, the, one of your favorites because that, just when spring comes after a long, hard winter especially, and just the, you know, May flowers, April showers bringing May flowers, it's just a wonderful, wonderful time of year, wonderful experience, and we seem to... Uh, gravitate towards just life and energy. You start driving around and people have their windows down and they're blaring their radios because they're excited and they're full of life. Spring is a time of, uh, of life. It's a blessing to be living in a, in a uh, temperate region where we get to experience the four seasons and get to really experience spring in all of its beauty. And we see land that has been dry and dead coming forth and turning green and things growing and life springing forth. It's a wonderful image of that life springing forth. And that is the image that is portrayed in Isaiah and in the book of Ezekiel. These two Old Testament prophets, um, I think Isaiah uses, we've been talking about the Spirit and that spirit is the one who's going to bring life. Uh, and that spirit is going to come in connection with Isaiah, as we looked last week, in connection with a Messiah, a chosen one, that the spirit is going to come upon him powerfully. And we're going to see in connection with that spirit coming is that there are Dead people everywhere in the world, even God's chosen people, they had been cast out of Jerusalem and exiled. That is the prophecy of Isaiah and Ezekiel. You're going to be exiled because you have forsaken the ways of the Lord. And so they go forth into a period of lifelessness. They are without hope, but God casts forth and brings forth the idea of hope and life. So that is what's given uh, uh, here in this uh, in Isaiah and Ezekiel, and that's what we're going to look at today. The Spirit is going to be more than impact just God's people, the Israelites. He is that Spirit is going to impact the whole world, bring forth life in the whole world. We begin in Isaiah 32 verses 15 through 17. Isaiah chapter 32 and verse number 15. Now in the context here, verse number, uh, well in chapter 32, you can read and it's a forecast of Israel being destroyed, Jerusalem being destroyed, being abandoned, being as verse 14 says, uh, uh, the city is forsaken. 
Um, and then in verse 15, it says, until. So that's great when you have, uh, things are going to be bad, until. Until the Spirit is poured out upon us from on high. And the wilderness becomes a fertile field, and the fertile field is considered as a forest. Then justice will dwell in the wilderness, and righteousness will abide in the fertile field. And the work of, the, of righteousness will be peace, and the service of righteousness, quietness, and confidence forever. So listen to that last word, that last word forever. Here is something to come that is being promised. First of all, these, these people are promised destruction, terrible, exile, oh no, Babylon's going to come and conquer us and exile us to their land, but you'll be brought, be brought back. But even beyond just being brought back, there is this hope of the Spirit being poured out. Being poured out. So Isaiah prophesied here just like Joel. And if you go back to Joel chapter 2, you can read that. Um, and we, went, we were there last week. That was one of the earliest of the prophets. And he talked about just as, um, just as rain must be poured out from heaven for the earth to produce fruit. Very simple concept. We know without rain, the earth dies. So the rain has to be poured out from heaven for the earth to produce fruit. Just as that is true... The Holy Spirit will be poured out from heaven for mankind to produce fruit. Look at that verse. Until the Spirit is poured out on us from on high. God's going to pour out His Spirit and be, bring forth great fruit. And uh, the imagery of a fertile land, a fertile field, is an image of God pouring out His Spirit on mankind and making mankind fruitful. Isaiah chapter 42, let's keep continue moving. Um, I believe in Isaiah 42, this is the passage that we have read as a scripture reading for the second week in a row now. This promise is verse number 20, verse number 1 of Isaiah 42 says, Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom my soul delights. In other words, in whom I am well pleased. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. So here's this promise of this one to come. And Isaiah often talks about the king who is going to come. Here is the chosen one, the prophet. The Isaiah speaks so many times, so often of a Messiah. I think having studied this book, I almost want to say Isaiah is my favorite book of the Bible now. Along with Ezekiel, it's such, there's such beautiful promises pointing to a messiah to come these and i know who the messiah was and i can you know i look back and i say this is so exciting so great that jesus was foretold but can you imagine reading through this and hearing these promises hearing about somebody who's going to come man we had moses the spirit of the lord was on moses this guy seems to be even more powerful in the Spirit, more in line with the Spirit. The more the Spirit is going to be upon Him even more powerfully. And Jesus, of course, Moses, he had even forecast someone, a prophet like Moses. It was, it was forecast even in the time of Moses that one would come like him. So they had to have been excited. 
Here is the servant, the chosen one, the spirit upon him. And skipping on down to verse number nine, it says connected with this this uh, Messiah, the chosen one who is going to come. Behold, the former things have come to pass. Now I declare new things before they spring forth. I proclaim them to you. So there's going to be some new things. This was connected with this Messiah. The Messiah is going to come and proclaim the new things. Then the new thing will come. And notice the language there. Before they spring forth. So a Messiah, he's going to come. He's going to proclaim something new that is going to spring forth. Spring forth. uh, Growth. Plants. Popping forth from the ground. A dry ground, but here comes something new. Isaiah 43, 19 through 21. Um, I believe in this passage that there is no mention of the Spirit. The word ruach is not here. But this is a continuation. You'll see plainly and clearly that the Spirit is here. The Spirit that is going to come forth, the Spirit is going to be poured out on the dry ground to produce uh, wonderful fruit. Verse 43, 19. Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the, in the wilderness. Rivers in the desert. The beast of the field will glorify me, the jackals and the ostriches, because I have given waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my chosen people. The people whom I formed for myself will declare my praise. Okay, and so you can look at this and you can say, okay, well, this is going to be a physical desert, physical river running through the desert, bringing forth life, and that'd be neat. But it's more than that. This is the Messiah who's coming, proclaiming something new, when the Spirit would be poured out not upon land, but a Spirit poured out upon man. I think I might have just said, not poured, I don't know what I just said. The Spirit being poured out not on land, but upon Man, So making sure I said that correctly. So this is spiritual. These are spiritual things. The Holy Spirit being poured out. Remember what Joel said? Upon all mankind. Isaiah is proclaiming the same thing. That is the something new. It's not just going to be upon Moses or on any of the judges like Samson or Gideon, but upon all mankind. Not just upon Isaiah who was speaking, the Spirit was upon him. But not just upon Isaiah, but upon all mankind. Rivers in the desert. That is the wonderful work of the Spirit of the Lord. So that is Isaiah 43, 19 through 21. Let's continue now with 44, 1 through 4. And man, I'm just cherry picking. This theme is all the way through Isaiah. Verse, uh, Verse number one. But now listen, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus says the Lord who made you, who formed you from the 
from the womb who will help you. Do not fear, O Jacob, my servant, and you, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. Jeshurun, another reference to God's people, Jacob. For I will pour out water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. And they will spring up among the grass like poplars by streams of water. Spring's a beautiful time. In the middle of winter, sometimes we get tired of winter. I love the snow, but when spring starts coming around, I get excited. Life springs forth. God promises that His Spirit would be poured out onto people. And they would be given life, just as at creation God breathed life into people, these spiritually dead people who are promised that they're going to go away into captivity. They're going to be in exile for a time. That's kind of the end of them, and Jerusalem's going to be destroyed. But the promise comes, I'm going to bring back life to you. Now move on to Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59, verses 20 and 21. Um, All of chapter 59, I almost didn't know where to start, but 20 just makes it real simple. This is the Redeemer. This is the promised Messiah, the servant, the chosen one, and whom God delights. Verse 20, a Redeemer will come to Zion, and to those who turn from transgression in Jacob, declares the Lord. As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit which is upon you, and my words which I have put in your mouth, shall not depart from your mouth, not from the mouth of your nor from the mouth of your offspring, nor from the mouth of your offspring's offspring, says the Lord, from now and forever. And I believe verse number 21 in reference to uh, the previous message about the Messiah. This, these are words God is speaking to the Messiah. The Messiah, His Spirit, He's already said, My Spirit's going to be upon Him. And He is going to speak forth words. This is about a Messiah to come. The, the one who is to come. Words were going to be in His mouth. They weren't going to depart from His mouth. That's, that's strange. We always think of words, they leave your mouth. Well... Those words, uh, when words leave your mouth and you continue to speak them, they don't depart from your mouth. It's always the same message. It is the message of truth that is always in the mouth of the Messiah. He is proclaiming the same message. That message does not depart. It remains. And it is going to remain in the followers, the ones who give their lives to the Messiah. Because the Messiah is going to have offspring. The Messiah is going to have offspring who are then going to share the same words that the Messiah was sharing. God's Spirit, I I posed it like this on the outline, God's Spirit, in other words, His breath, another way of looking at that, um, would be upon, God's Spirit upon the Messiah would bring forth words in His mouth that would always remain because those words would be in the mouths of His offspring also. And the words of the Messiah should continue on forever. From one generation to the next. Now going to Isaiah 
chapter 61, verses 1 through 3. And then I'm going to uh, just jump down to verse 11, but it's all, again, it's all the same theme. Isaiah 63, verse number 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me. So here is the the anointed one. That's what Messiah means. Anointed one. One who is chosen. One who is appointed to, to do something or be something for God. So the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to captives. And freedom to prisoners. To proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. To grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. The mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. So they will be called oaks of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. And if I may go ahead and jump down to verse 11, it says, For all the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as a garden causes the things sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. So here is hope for the nation of Israel. The Messiah who is to come, he's going to come and fix everything where there is death. He is going to bring forth life. And God's spirit is there to spring forth life amidst a spiritually dead, dry desert of people. God is going to spring forth before all the nations. All the nations will see it. Let's move on to Ezekiel now. So Isaiah has, we were in there a lot last week, and we continued more. Isaiah had uh, 51 uses, or 51 times that the word ruach was used. Um, Spirit, wind, breath. Um, Those words you'd often see for that word ruach. Ezekiel has 52 times that the uh, Spirit that Ruach is mentioned. Uh, if you're there in Ezekiel now, look at chapter 2. Uh, in verse number 2, it says, And he spoke to, as he spoke to me, the Spirit entered me and set me on my feet, and I heard him speaking to me. This kind of language is all through Ezekiel. I'm not going to address all of that, but God, it's just his Spirit coming and picking us up and helping us do what we need to do. And uh, the same was true for Ezekiel. Whenever Ezekiel was sent, the Spirit of the Lord was there with him to give him courage, to give him success, to give him the leadership skills that he needed. So, so those things kind of fit with all the things we've looked at before. But there's some other things about the Spirit that fit with this imagery of the Spirit coming and being poured out and giving life. And so I want to consider that. So let's look at Ezekiel chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. And this is just kind of an introductory part to Ezekiel. 
says, Now it came about in the thirtieth year, on the fifth day of the fourth month, while I was by the river Kibar among the exiles. So we, we have moved forward in time from Isaiah. Now some of the people are in exile. I don't th- at this point, Jerusalem's not been destroyed yet, but some people have been exiled. <clears throat> the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. Verse 2, on the fifth of the month in the fifth year of King Jehoiakim's exile, the word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel the priest, son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Chebar, and there the hand of the Lord came upon him. Hand of the Lord came upon him. I looked that up, um, explored that, had uh, this could be another sermon. The hand of the Lord being upon him, It's God's powerful spirit coming upon him. So that is right there, as I put in the notes, and you can study that one out and look and see if you agree or not. But in Ezekiel 1.4, the hand of the Lord coming upon him, it's a reference to the Holy Spirit. God's hand coming upon him, God's spirit influencing him and uh, being with him in 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 a powerful way. Um, As you look back through the Old Testament and previous passages um, that were in the books of history and such, it said there are plenty of times the hand of the Lord came upon somebody and it was a very negative thing. God's hand came upon some of his uh, enemies. The hand of the Lord came upon them and influenced them in ways that were destructive to those people. So, But again, the hand of the Lord, it's God's spirit at work to do something, to push somebody um, is my way of looking at it one way or the other, how they will live, how they will act. The hand of the Lord came upon him. Verse 4, still in Ezekiel 1. As I looked, behold, a storm wind was coming from the north, a great cloud with fire flashing forth continually, and a bright light around it, and in its midst, midst something like glowing metal in the midst of the fire. So from a distance, it's like a cloud coming, Smoke coming from a fire. You can keep reading on. This is God's Holy Spirit coming to Ezekiel in this vision that he is seeing. This is the Spirit of the Lord. This is it. When it says a stormy wind, that is a stormy ruach, a stormy spirit, but it's a stormy wind. It's coming. It's a there is a storm. God shows up in the storm. Remember at, we, at Mount Sinai when we talked about that? God's presence there? It was smoke and fire, lightning flashing, thunder going. God shows up in this way. This is the presence of the Holy Spirit. Um, tons of references to the Spirit here in this book. We are going to skip to Ezekiel 36. Ezekiel 36. <clears throat> Verses 20, um, let me see. Yeah, 26 through 30. So again, here in the midst, the, the, some people are already ex- exiled. The temple's going to be destroyed. But then there are these promises of the Spirit providing something new, a new work. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit 
within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will be careful to observe my ordinances and you will live in the land that I gave to your forefathers. So you will be my people and I will be your God. Moreover, I will save you from all your uncleanness and will call for the grain and multiply it. So here the fruitfulness, here the growth, the productivity. And I will not bring a famine on you. I will multiply the fruit of the tree and the produce of the field so that you will not receive again the disgrace of famine among the nations. Now, if you choose to, uh, you can look at that and say, well, that's a literal prophecy about physical things. But no, this is the spirit of God being placed in these people. This is spiritual language. Um, speaks of a time when there will be a new age of fruitfulness. Um, and that will come to spiritually dead Israel. And note, this would happen when God would put his spirit within them. Now to the next chapter. 37, the valley of dry bones. Might be, I'm sure, the heading. Everybody's probably got, if your Bible has headings, is probably the heading there. A wonderful vision that is given to Ezekiel when a bunch of dead bones, God breathes on them and gives them life. And note, and uh, verse number five, thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you that you may come to life. So the breath is going to come back to these bones. Um, Verse 11 is where we're going to start looking, I think, if I got my notes right here. Okay, 11 through 14. Then he said to me, this is after seeing this vision, The bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried up and our hope has perished. We are completely cut off. So in other words, they're the desert. They're the ones, it's the people that are spiritually dead. Verse 12, therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and cause you to come out of your graves, my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves and caused you to come out of your graves, my people. I will put my spirit within you and you will come to life. And I will place you on your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and done it, declares the Lord. God's people, spiritually dead, but God will put his spirit within them and they will come to life. Just like springtime, springing forth. God's going to plant something new within them. Ezekiel chapter 47 um, and I should note that I, I think I have this reference all the way back in chapter 40. Uh, we were just looking at verse 30, chapter 37, the valley of dry bones. Um, even in 37, verse 24, my servant David will be king over them. Again, it's just clearly the prophesying about the Messiah. This is all about the Messiah and the age that brings the, that the Messiah brings forth. Um, notice in. Um, chapter 40 it starts talking about a man with a measuring rod and all the language in here from chapter 40 on to where we're going to get to in a second it's all about the temple being rebuilt 
There's going to be the rebuilding of the temple. It's going to be perfect. There are so many details in here. It's kind of boring to read, but the temple is going to be rebuilt. All the instructions, all of what, how this temple is described. And in 43, verse number 40, excuse me, chapter 43, verse 4, it says, And the glory of the Lord came into the house by the way of the gate facing toward the east. The glory of the Lord earlier in this book had departed from the temple. And now the spirit of the Lord, the glory of the Lord, God's presence comes back into this new temple. Um, And then verse 5, and the spirit lifted me up. So God's still working with him. Now go to chapter 47. After all the description, chapter 40 through 46, that's all descriptions and talking about this temple, the temple, the temple, the temple. And now listen to verse Chapter 47, verses 1 through 2, and I want to read my blurb before we read parts of this chapter. All right, and it says, After God's Spirit fills the new temple, a trickle of water from the temple becomes a mighty river and causes the Dead Sea to swarm with life. This river is going to flow into an area called the Arabah, the desert. It's a desert region. Arabah even means desert when we get there. God, starting with the temple where the Holy Spirit has just filled, there is water flowing. Remember, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit being poured out just as, the whole, just as rain gets poured out from the heavens to water the land and bring forth life. From the heavens is going to be another spirit. The God Spirit is going to be poured out on mankind and bring them life. That's what this is all about. I'll read the first couple of verses. You can keep reading it uh, because we don't have time really. So chapter 47, uh, verse 2. He brought me out by the way of the north gate and led me around on the outside of the outer gate by way of the gate that faces east. Behold, water was trickling from the south side. A little trickle. The man went towards the east, and in a line with a line in his hand, he measured a thousand cubits, and he led me through the water, water reaching to the ankles. A little trickle becomes uh, something a little deeper. Again, he measured a thousand feet. Verse four led me through the water, water reaching to the knees, and he measured a thousand and led me through the water, water reaching to the loins. He and again he measured a thousand. It was a river that I could not ford, for the water had risen enough water to swim in, a river that could not be forded. And he said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he brought me to the bank of the river. Now when I had returned, behold, on the bank of the river there were many trees. The life springs forth, the spirit comes, and then the life springs forth. Trees on the one side and the other. I can't stop reading. Verse 8. Then he said to me, these waters go out toward the eastern region. They go down to the Arabah. And they go toward the sea. Pause. They go toward the sea. Which sea? There's a lot of, it was going set to the south and towards the east is where they had started from. It's flowing that direction. This is toward the Dead Sea. The sea that is filled with so much salt that there is no life in it. That's why it's called the Dead Sea. Everything flows into it and it goes nowhere else. It builds up with salt. 
There is no life except what we would, we would say there's life, bacteria in it nowadays. But for them, they didn't fish in the Dead Sea. They fished up in the Sea of Galilee. They fished in the Great Sea, the Mediterranean Sea. But listen to what happens. They go toward the sea. The waters are going toward the sea. Uh, end of verse 8. Being made to flow into the sea, and waters of the sea, and the waters of the sea became fresh. The water, the little trickle that started at the temple, it flows into the Dead Sea. And that sea becomes fresh. Verse 9, it will come about that every living creature that swarms in every place where the river goes will live. And there will be very many fish and these waters go there and the waters become fresh. <coughs> so that everything will live where the, water go, where the river goes. And it will become, come about that fishermen will stand beside it from Engedi to Enaglaim. Whatever you say there. There will be a place for the spreading of nets. Their fish will be according to their kinds like the fish of the great sea. Very many. So now people are fishing in the dead sea. That's where Engedi was at in this other, this other place. They're by the dead sea. They're the dead sea in the middle of the Arabah. This is a place of death. God brings forth life. Food and their leaves for healing is how it ends in verse number 12. And in Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10, as it talks there in the midst of the foretelling of the destruction, this is a new prophet and he's telling of similar things. Jerusalem's going to be destroyed. In the midst of that, he says, verse 10, I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication, so they will look on me whom they have pierced. And they will mourn from him as the one mourns for an only son. And they will weep bitterly over him like the bitter weeping over a firstborn. Isaiah talked about the chosen one, the anointed one, the one in whom the Lord delights. The Spirit being upon Him. And here the Spirit of grace comes through that one, the Messiah, as He dies. Chapter 13, verse 1. In that day a fountain will be opened for the house of David and for the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for impurity. Without the Messiah, all there is in this world is death and dying, decay and brokenness. But God's word proclaimed there would be one who would come. The chosen one who would die for us. Who would be pierced for us. And connected with him would be the coming forth of the Spirit of God poured out upon all mankind beautiful thing that God has done for us. All of this, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Him bringing the Spirit, introducing God's Spirit to come be poured out on all mankind. I encourage you to come to Him. I encourage you to live according to that Spirit if you have come to Him. 
Live according to that spirit, and the spirit does need us to be filled with courage and do things today. And so I ask you to consider the challenge is that the Holy Spirit needs us to speak the words of life to others. Words of life. Words, words that give, that are planted in others so they can spring forth with life. This week, go to your neighbor and invite them to come to church with you next week. Don't you think the Spirit wants to do that with you? Reach out to others. The words that were in the Messiah, they should go forth from us also. Please do that. If anybody needs to respond to the call of Christ today to come, if anybody thirsts, come to Him. Won't you please come and do so as we stand together and sing.